You are listening to Excess Advantage, a podcast dedicated to the Genesis RPG by Fantasy Flight Games. The Excess Advantage podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at excess-advantage.com. And now your host, Christopher. Hello, and welcome to Access Advantage, episode 18, Dev Interview, part 1. Today's episode is going to be the second to last episode before my season break. I'm probably going to be taking a two or three month break. I'll know for sure with the release of next episode, let you know, but I need to take some time. Um, I've got a lot of stuff going on. It's a holiday season, so I need some personal time, and I want to be able to get this out to you on a more regular basis. And with everything going on from now until January, it's just not going to happen. So I'm probably going to go until the middle of February. But like I said, at the end of or at the beginning of next episode, I'll go ahead and let you know when my uh, next release date is going to be. And today's episode is part one of two of an interview that the admins of the Discord server, the Facebook group, and the subreddit, all of us interviewed three of Fantasy Flight's uh, developers. We have uh, Tim Cox, Tim Huckleberry, and everyone knows Sam Stewart. So we have a pretty good interview, and today, like I said, is part one. Hopefully next week is going to be part two. Uh, we got about 25 minutes of great interview audio for you guys. Um, we would love to do one of these again, so hopefully we can have it happen another time for, I don't know, maybe with the release of Shadow of the Beanstalk coming up soon, crossing our fingers. And we actually did this uh, chat live on the Discord server, and it was for anyone who was available at the time to listen to. So if you are not yet on the Discord server, there will be links to it in the show notes along with links to the Facebook group and uh, the subreddit in case you don't have any of those. Um, And so without further ado, I'm going to send you straight to our three awesome superstars from Fantasy Flight Games, Tim, Tim, and Sam. Take it away, everybody. Okay, we are live with the recording. Today is the first live uh, Genesis dev chat. We are joined by three special guests from Fantasy Flight Games, and I'm going to introduce all three of them, and then they'll uh, give you a little bit of information on who they are, uh, what they do, how they came about, anything they want you to know. Um, Sam Stewart, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with, he's uh, on, he actually has his picture in the Genesis Core book in the Twilight Imperium, page 236, I believe. I might be wrong on that, but I like page numbers, so we'll go with it. Uh, Tim Cox, I hear, is the master of magic. He had a lot of uh, input on the magic system, which I don't know about anybody else, but I'm a big fan of. And Tim Huckleberry, uh, to differentiate the two, we're going to call him Huck, because that's what he asked for. And I'm sorry, Tim. Sorry, Huck. I don't really know what your credentials are, so I'll let you go first. (laughs) Um, I've been with FFG for a while now. Uh, I was with Games Workshop prior to that, so of course I worked on a lot of the 40k role playbooks. Um, and uh, yeah, basically was the producer for Realms of Terranoth. And uh, yeah, other stuff too. Uh, I am Tim Cox, and uh, I think Huck's being a little modest, but he was the, the lead developer on Realms of Terranoth, so 
he put a lot of time and effort into making that book what it is. Uh, but uh, I'm Tim Cox, and I uh, freelanced for FFG for a number of years before joining the RPG department uh, relatively recently. And in that time, I worked a little bit on pretty much all of uh, FFG's RPGs, including the Warhammer 40k lines, Star Wars, The End of the World, and Genesis. I love that End of the World line. That's that's just a great set of books. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to hear it. Um, so I'm the uh, manager of the RPG department. I've been with uh, Fantasy Flight Games for about 10 years now. Got my start as a uh, editor. Um, my first writing credit was in my spare time working on a uh, dark heresy book called Creatures Anathema. And since then, worked a lot in 40k roleplay. Switched over to uh, Star Wars uh, years ago with Edge of the Empire. Was the uh, lead developer on that, working with uh, Jay Little, who was the lead designer. And Star Wars for a while, and then uh, Genesis was uh, was the uh, latest thing I sort of uh, solo headed up on. Yeah, and that's that's basically me. Um, but to keep this a little on track, I'm going to go ahead and go with our first question. Since, Sam, you mentioned um, working on Star Wars prior to this, and I think most of us know that Genesis is the generic version of the Star Wars line, um, can you guys uh, speak about the major changes that you purposefully implemented in the change from Star Wars to Genesis? For example, the talent pyramid is completely gone, and you only get four career skills instead of depending on edge age or uh, force and destiny you get anywhere from four to six i believe well um as far as the career skills go you only um you get eight career skills in genesis and you could potentially get as many as 12 in uh star wars um someone had the wrong number in here i apologize (laughs) no that's all right i was reading straight from our list (laughs) they may have been uh, confused because um Career skills is one thing. Starting ranks and skills is something else entirely. And you get less of those. So in uh, Genesis, you get eight career skills from your career and one rank in each of four of those um, of your choice. Maybe that's where that came from. Yeah, probably. But yeah, sorry, that's uh, digressing a little bit (laughs) from uh, the actual question. A lot of those changes were, I mean, it's for a number of different reasons, but for one thing, a lot of it was done because we wanted to make a uh, generic system. We didn't want to flavor the game specifically around a specific IP. We wanted to make it more uh, generally applicable to any IP you wanted to play in. So one of the things about um, the concept of uh, specializations or talent trees, if you will, is that they're usually designed to evoke a very specific flavor, um, a very specific career type. And that's great. But if you're going for something that can be adapted to a lot of different gameplay styles and a lot of different settings, we would need potentially hundreds of specializations to uh, accommodate everything. So instead, we created the uh, Talent Pyramid because it it is much more open-ended. It allows you to just pick whatever you think is the most thematically appropriate for your character in your setting. And 
likewise um, with removing the specializations that removed those extra career skills and that sort of thing. So those were, yeah, as you pointed out, some of the uh, big changes in uh, in character creation. We also fleshed out um, motivations a lot. Um, motivations became much more of a big part of character creation because we wanted something that defined your character beyond just your career and your skills and so forth. Something that defined their personality in a very impactful way. That's another one of the changes. And so that I don't just speak the whole time, if anyone else um, <laughs> wants to uh, jump in, you guys can also go ahead. Well, I think that pretty much covers it. Personally, I feel that the smaller list of career skills in a way helps you define your character um, more narrowly in that sense, uh, because you no longer have the specialization to further define it. Uh, but at the same time, um, well, you have fewer career skills, the open-ended nature of the pyramid, of course, opens up a lot more options for developing your character in terms of spending XP. Yeah, basically what they said. I mean, I think the uh, the openness of it, so you can you have a lot more flexibility with what you can pick. So it gives you a lot more flexibility with pick, uh, developing your character. And that's really what Genesis is all about. Lots of flexibility and lots of options. Very cool. Well, thank you very much for uh, digging into that a little bit. Of course. And I think Scott has the next question. So Genesis has been out for almost a year now. How do you guys feel about that overall adoption uh, of, of Genesis by the community? And what are some of the things that the community has kind of surprised you with that they've come up with? So overall, we've been really pleased with uh, how people have taken Genesis. It's performed um, even better than we expected it to. Um, we knew that going into things, um, that creating a new role-playing game, and in many ways this is a new role-playing game, you know, is always a bit of a risky proposition. And we're super happy about how um, people have been enjoying it and people have been using it. I, one of the things that I've been personally really impressed with is some of the adapted settings and personal settings that people have created and just how quickly and how extensively they're created. I mean, I know pretty well personally just how long a, uh, a book takes to get written. And spoiler alert, it can be months, if not more. But uh, some of these got knocked out in, you know, weeks or even even a month. And that shows a lot of uh, passion and dedication. My hat's off to uh, the people who are uh, turning some of that stuff out. I think part of that too is that you work on a team. There are a lot of hands touching the book, whereas most of the homemade stuff is just one person hours at a time just knocking it out. But yeah, you're right. It is a lot of dedication. It's a lot less play tested as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it shows a lot of passion and creativity, which is great to see. Yeah, I think another thing that speaks to the passion people have for Genesis is that there are multiple podcasts devoted to it, which is something that I was personally pleasantly surprised to see happen pretty much right out of the gates. And beyond that, as Sam said, just the, the number of really cool quality fan supplements is really uh, really a great thing to see. So what are some of the things that you were expecting to see the community come up with, but uh, up to this point, they have not? Ooh. That's a... Oh, that's a good one. It's a hard question. I mean, I can't claim to know everything everyone's done out there. So uh, I almost hate mentioning something and, and a bunch of people jump us. Well, haven't you checked this out? Well, we're, we are very familiar. So please mention something and we'll let you know. Because <laughs> it does seem like every time we look, someone's created something new, which is great. Yeah, personally, I didn't really have a, 
a list of expectations for uh, what I thought the community would do. So I think just seeing the sheer number of uh, fan supplements has probably exceeded my nebulous uh, expectations already. I don't think we uh, we necessarily were like, man, if the uh, fan community doesn't uh, create the Ninja Dino Pirate setting, we're just, that's it. No, like, I don't even know why we're here. We've never sat around and had that conversation. Did someone create that I one yet? I club dibs on the Ninja Pirate Dino setting, so no one else make that. I will say now I will be disappointed if that doesn't happen. <laughs> I do have a friend working on a mecha fishing setting, so that's kind of close. Okay, that's see, that's already way past all of my wildest uh, expectations. <laughs> are the mechs doing the fishing, or are you fishing for mechs? <laughs> you, the mechs are doing the fishing for giant fish. Okay. <laughs> it's like Pacific Rim, except you're fishing for kaiju before you fight them. Okay. So uh, was it intended from the start that the magic system will be something open-handed and fluid in how uh, you can craft spell to meet your needs? Or was this something that came about as you work on other aspects of it? So I will say, um, as far as magic goes, I actually did take a crack at the first draft of the magic system, but Sam did a lot to refine it. And um, actually, to answer your question, uh, the, the original version was even more sort of open-ended and up to GMs and players to work out uh, the details for their characters and their setting. And uh, Sam took that and turned it into something more concrete, but still very open-ended and versatile. So it started out more as like a Mage the Ascension kind of thing? Mm. I don't know if it's fair necessarily to con compare the two of them. It was a system where you could more... Um, sort of say what you're going to do, make the check, do the thing. Um, that sounds right. It's been a while since I looked at that draft. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, in the, in the sense of um, it, was, it was even more up to uh, just player creativity um, and GM improvisational ability. All right. And on a corollary to that, in the, um, I don't, Tell me if you're not able to speak to this, but when you originally developed the magic system, did it start off similar to the force powers? Did you have that as part of the um, I don't know the design process? I guess you could say because that was something that was existing, or did you just say we're not doing it like this because that Star Wars thing? I think one of my first questions was, do we have a funky die for this? Uh which the answer was was pretty quickly. Uh, no, it'll use the the standard uh, set of ability dice, etc. No special outside the box magic only die. That's good. Yeah, there is. There was no. Um, there was no force die or force die equivalent in Genesis. Pretty much from the beginning. That's a. Uh, that was very much a Star Wars um, specific thing. And so, yeah, we made we made a lot of decisions based off that assumption. So then, so out the gate, you guys said we're not going to do, we're not basing anything off of the Star Wars Force system. We're going to go open ended in some fashion. The Force, the Force die, the Force rules, all that—that's very Star Wars, and we've always seen that as one of those intrinsic and integral things to that IP, that game, that system. 
and Genesis wasn't the same thing. It uses the it uses the same sort of basic mechanics. It uses the narrative dice system, but there are some elements that are very specific to Star Wars. And yeah, we knew we weren't going to um, cross those over. I'm trying to take the Force die and push it into a generic magic system would be very sort of backwards looking and limit our options uh, in some ways for the the sheer number of settings people might want to develop. Alrighty, and we do have a question from the audience, if that's alright. Sure. Um, Chase of the Monkeys is asking, or says, it feels like Genesis is heavier on the story point usage than Star Wars with its uh, dark light points. What was the thought process behind that change? That's an interesting question. Does one of you want to yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure I've ever thought of it as being heavier on the usage. For one thing, you're likely to have fewer story points than you would have destiny points, depending on the, the rolling, which of course is a part of it in Star Wars, but not in Genesis. It's possible that we have a higher number of talents that make use of story points, or, or a higher number of character abilities that make use of it, right out of the gate compared to the, the core books for Star Wars. Um, which might just reflect a sort of an evolution of the way we look at it and as a, a resource that should be encouraged uh, for use often. There are the four basic human archetypes, um, I suppose, as well, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, each of the base archetypes uses the story point with their special ability. Mm -hmm. That's right. And um, that was sort of a, we're designing something, um, the four the four basic human archetypes came around where we um, knew that we were going to be needing some kind of basis for character creation, because obviously, as you get into settings, you get other archetypes and species to use. But in the core game, we're trying to keep it super simple, super generally applicable. And one thing that we kind of realized early on was we didn't want to just have one human archetype because that would almost, that would be too limiting. So the thought was, what if we just did multiple types of humans? And one of the things we wanted to do with that was come up with a archetype specific ability, sort of like um, a species specific abilities. And um, we started, um, the idea started to evolve around that we'd play around with uh, story points for those. Um, so the ready for anything with the regular human, the brilliant for the intellectual, all of those were like, oh, let's, uh, let's something you can do once per session with a story point. Cool. And then you want regular humans because they throw story points back into the pool for everyone else to use. And, and it's good with the limited number, the lower number of story points to have a lot of, I guess, churn maybe to get them moving around a lot. Uh, and I just think it makes, makes both better games that way too. Yeah, I think, Huck, you've got it exactly right there. Yeah, I mean, and, and story points give everybody an opportunity also just to more inject dynamic. stuff into the story too, so, which is always a really fun thing. Yeah, and I know when I run games, I encourage my players to spend them as much as possible. I love the way that they work in the game, especially when you have more talents that use them. Um, I did not play a lot of Star Wars, so I don't know if there's just more talents in Genesis that use them or just yep. I'm playing Genesis more, but the back and forth is just so much fun. And especially like when there's that pile of, you know, four of them in front of me and only one in front of my group. I'm like, oh, 
Things are about to hit the fan. Let me start spending them like candy. Right. And as a GM, you have no choice, really, yeah, at that point. And you players. have to start yeah. upgrading the difficulty of checks, or else you're, <laughs> you're just not uh, doing your I'm job. I'm kill you. I'm trying to be fair to you. It's Come the on. only fair thing to do. It is. <laughs> I have to constantly push my players. I have to constantly remind my players. That you, you know, you could use a story point to do that. Like, oh, oh, yeah. That's a great, uh, great thing to re- remind them of, because it, it is easy perhaps for new players to forget that if they're not used to a game with that sort of out of character currency yeah my personal favorite is when a player asks oh hey is there such and such or can i do this thing and i just kind of pick up a story point and wave it out and be like i don't know is it there do you want it (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a great way to answer a player question throw it back at them with a, a story point cost yeah, that's that's really my default go-to. When I don't know the answer, I ask them if they want to spend a story point, and it's in their favor. Yep, that's a great uh, GM trick. So speaking of archetypes here a little bit, now I understand having an archetype for basically every single characteristic may have been a bit much for a core book, but it seems uh, almost everyone who's making a setting makes an agility-based archetype. Why was there not an agility-based archetype in the core book? Frankly, because everyone in, um, <laughs> wants an agility-based <laughs> archetype. No, um, <laughs> no. Um, kidding aside, like any one of those archetypes was sort of the exception of the uh, intellectual, since they start out in an agility one. Um, can, with your experience, be knocked up with to a higher level of agility. Um, and be just fine. I mean, agility is all, has always been a very attractive stat in um, in any game that is basically beyond fantasy because uh, it's what governs a lot of your ranged combat abilities. So yeah, we just didn't want to make a uh, a default gunslinger archetype out of the four archetypes. We wanted to sort of try and tr- get more general. The tough person, the smart person, the talking person, the all-rounder person. And also gunslinger does, or a shooty person or a you know dodgy person doesn't always fit as much into archetypes in general. It would have put a lot more focus on the archetypes as like, on their physical elements and a little bit less on their um, social, mental, and um, emotional yeah, elements. There's, there's too. four mental attributes when there's there's only two physical ones. Sort of, um, it's sort of like uh, two physical, two mental, and two. I don't know. I don't want to say spiritual, but uh, we always sort of saw the uh, um, saw the presence and willpower as like emotional, emotional intelligence. <laughs> a really good way of looking at yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Touchy-feely. <laughs> but no, you shouldn't uh, delete your uh, um, your high agility archetype or species or whatever because it's that's just as that's just as valid a character. I mean, the other thing we're working on is we only had room for so much content, so um, some things were just not going yeah. to uh, make. Yeah, the, the beauty cut, of so. this is that. <laughs> What's in the book is just a starting point. And uh, particularly if for you and your campaign and your group, something stands out as a, an omission in your eyes, then add it. <laughs> and they give us the tools to do it. We don't even have to fudge it that much. Just a right. little bit. We weren't subtle about it. We're, we're pretty encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I do have to say another 
um, personal anecdote is as soon as I got my hands on the book, that was the first section I turned to. I'm like, okay, is this another one of those generic books that has a list of stuff or do they give me rules to make my own stuff? And you guys delivered and it was a glorious, cool. glorious day. <laughs> Good. That's the reaction we want. So switching gears a little bit at uh, Gen Con this year, we saw the Magnum Opus uh, adventure played with the Android setting. And uh, we saw on the character sheet something new on there. It was the favor system. And we understand it's nothing's been announced about it yet. So if you can't answer this, let us know. Um, but what more can you tell us about the favor system from these character sheets? Well, um, can't tell you a lot, but um, I'll tell you what. I, I can summarize what uh, pe the people who were lucky enough to go to Gen Con or um, the Magnum Opus event um, got to uh, see. And that is that, as it appears on the sheets, some people were able to take talents that gave you these favors. And favors are sort of a uh, a way to call in, basically call in for help um, from people that, you know, you could sort of make up or you could, uh, um, so you could just call in a favor from the police department in general in uh, in the Android adventure. Um, if you were the right character and sort of say, hey, I know this person on the uh, NAPD, let me... Uh, get them let, let me get them on the phone and they owe me one um <clears throat> also there were a few people that uh, owed favors in that uh, adventure and it hopefully came back and haunted some of them but uh they may have gotten some shall we say some additional advantages as the characters were being made because they owed those favors so here's here's something something more about the android character sheets that we saw so on one of the character sheets me lebron she had the bodyguard talent. It had a different tier and description from the one in Realms of Terranoth. Is this going to be changed, possibly? Or is this going to be an artifact of how these settings are going to completely uh, differentiate from one another, where we could have talents that are named the same thing, but are completely different in each setting book? Well, I think we can just say that the Gen Con uh, or other event character sheets aren't necessarily representative of the final product. Yeah, don't read too much into those. All right, well, that is that is a spectacular answer. Thank you. <laughs> but that, that's all we have. <laughs> it is. I'll, 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 I will also say that whenever we've created characters um, that are specifically for events, one of the things we need to consider is that they need to be playable for people who just sit down and look at them. So if wording sometimes changes in talents or abilities on uh, specific characters um, for any of these like uh, one-shot adventures that are run at conventions, a lot of times it's done because we think that it will um, make them make them more easily parsed at the table, you know? We're a little less worried about um, specific syntax and a little and a little more worried about somebody reading it and being like, oh, I get what that does. Yeah. Not to mention making it fit on the sheet sometimes. Yeah, that's, that's a good one idea. Oh, yeah, that, that's also yeah. huge. <laughs> um, I think if you look back to the realms of Terranoth characters, there was some of that.
You've been listening to Excess Advantage. If you'd like to leave comments on today's show or subscribe to the community, please visit the website at excess-advantage.com. You can find the host on Twitter at C double underscore Beck. If you like what you hear and want to spread the word, please leave a review or rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe. It'll help others find us. If you want to join the growing Discord community, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash Thanks for listening and catch you next week.